How's, how's that? Testing one, two, three. If you are out there and I can figure out how to turn on the comments, you can let me know that you're there. Hmm. Okay, all right. I, all right, I'm seeing comments now. Can you hear me and is there sound? I see Travis and Diana are watching. Unlike Tim, I can see the comments. Um, he is, I think, out walking in the woods in North Georgia tonight. And so you have at least the B team, maybe the C team. Um, and you will get something out of tonight's class. If nothing else, you will appreciate the fact that Tim does this class on a regular basis. Uh, he does a, does a great job. Uh, it's, it's a little easier for me because um, not having to do it every week, I get to cherry pick and use my favorite verses. Uh, he has to come up with stuff every week and does a terrific job. I haven't seen anybody say I have sound, so it would be nice if somebody would uh, make a comment there and validate that they can hear. got a few folks there again if somebody can make a comment that you can you hear or not hear uh, and let me know all right I, we now have confirmation that we have sound okay great our teaser tonight is as people are coming in is uh, of course the, the title of tonight is getting our getting your just desserts uh, which is not necessarily a pleasant thing, but I want to just get started thinking about what your favorite desserts are. Um, those of you that are around me too much, you know I like my cake, um, and uh, I am a dessert person. Uh, I, have, I have a list here from, uh, there are several lists on the internet of top 10 um, U.S. desserts. And uh, they're all a little bit different, but they're all kind of the same, too. There are some interesting inclusions and some also interesting things that are not on the list um, that I at least think ought, ought to be on the list. And uh, so if you, wanna, if you just want to start typing in and, and comment on uh, the things that you like, I'll start going down this list. The first two, this, this list is from the recipes section of HowStuffWorks.com. And this is their list of the top 10 uh, desserts in the United States. And the first, first two, I don't think we'd argue, you know, we might talk about where on the list they were, but I, I think we'd agree they'd be on the list. Uh, cheesecake number 10 and, and number nine is uh, cupcakes. Like both of those. Number eight is the biggest surprise. Um, I was surprised this was on the list, and when I started looking around at other lists, it turned up on them too. And number eight is Jello. Ooh, favorite. I'm guessing nobody out there. You know, I, the, the comments are coming in fast now, and I'm I'm not going to be able to see all of them. But I bet nobody typed in Jello. You know, the the only time you might think of Jello is because. I can't handle all those calories. I need, you know, I need an alternative. But when you're really honest about it, these are the desserts that I like, I don't think anybody says Jello. Okay. Number seven, carrot cake. Like carrot cake. Number six, apple pie. 
Uh, I like apple pie. I'm not sure it would be on my top 10 list. In, in fact, most of the fruit pies, um, what I tell Teresa about them is if they're there and that's my choice for dessert, I'll eat it and I'll enjoy it and I'll like it, but I won't go looking for it. Okay? But lot, I know lots of folks really like apple pie. Interestingly, there is no pecan pie on this list. I found some lists with pecan pie on, but sorry, Gary, um, I'm with you. Pecan pie is probably in my top three. Uh, Teresa makes one with dark chocolate on the bottom of it. It's a, a black bottom pecan mm. pie. That's wow. you know that's maybe my number one uh, or or number two. Uh, number five is ice cream. That showed up number one on a number of the lists. And then the last four, uh, I think you'll see a theme: uh, brownies. Chocolate chip cookies, chocolate cake, and fudge. We like our chocolate. Uh, the other probably most interesting thing that was missing from this list is there's no banana pudding. Uh, that's, prob that's probably my favorite non-chocolate dessert. Um, so anyway, desserts. I've, I've got a little after seven. Now that you've joined us, we're, we're getting our just desserts tonight. Uh, those of you that have tuned in looking for Tim, yeah, he's obviously not here. I think I saw where they're tuned in, and he can probably heckle me the way that I heckle him. Uh, if you're missing the clock, okay, I have a clock. Okay, I have a clock, but my clock is here where I can see it so that hopefully I'll finish up on time, and if it's going, you know, if I'm going too long, we'll cut her off and we'll get done on time. I don't have a tractor, okay? I do have a, I do have a Parthenon and I do have a Seattle Space Needle and I've got a Washington Monument with a thermometer on it, okay? Um, so, cool, cool, cool stuff. So is it easier to give advice or to take advice? You know, it seems kind of obvious. You know, I'd much rather give the advice. You know, I don't want people telling me what to do. I mean, we live in a culture and a time when we want anybody telling us what to do. That's right. Okay? Yeah. And if you changed advice, if you substituted a little bit and you said, uh, you know, would you rather give or take correction? I think we'd even quicker would go, eh, I'll set you straight. You know, you want to find out what's what, I'll tell you what's what. Uh, but don't, you know, thanks anyway, but, you know, I'll, I'll fix myself. Or even just direction. Is it easier to give direction or take direction? We have all of the jokes about guys not stopping for directions. Um, but it seems, while it seems obvious that, that giving those things, dishing it out, handing it out, is the easier job, I'm not so sure when we start thinking about it. And so we want to kind of examine uh, this issue from a couple of different perspectives and eventually we're going to get over to 1 Samuel chapter 12. I think there's a great passage there. It's, it's not an unfamiliar story, but I think we slide through it pretty fast and look at some different things about that story than what we're going to look at tonight. But yet I think perhaps some of the most powerful points that are made from that passage uh, are, the, are hopefully the kinds of things that we're going to talk about tonight. Let's ask the question a little bit different. What if you knew you had done something wrong? Or you knew you needed help 
or you know you need you need a drink. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I need you know I'm sitting at the computer. I need somebody to help me <laughs> figure out how to do this thing. Okay. Is that easier or harder than the flip side? What if you know you're right? You know you have something that needs to be shared, and, or you know that this person that I'm fixing to talk to does need to be set straight. I need to tell them. And of course, social media, I think, if it doesn't survive on this, it, it thrives on the, let me tell you what I know, you need to listen to me, and I need to tell you what you need to know. And don't you dare disagree with me. Okay? But in a situation where you know you need help, versus a situation where you know you can't help, which is easier. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, we have, I think, that situation. And as we start looking at, we need to look at the characters. We have Samuel and we have the Israelites. Now Samuel, Samuel's an interesting guy. He's one of those guys that you could call a towering figure in the Old Testament. I was thinking earlier, if you had your Mount Rushmore of Old Testament characters, I think you pretty quick you would get Abraham, Moses, and David. They would, you know, they got to be there, and so you got to figure out who the fourth person is. And you could argue for Adam, you could argue for Noah, or for Noah you could uh, argue for Job, um, Isaiah. I think that fourth guy is Samuel. Samuel, he occupies a really important position. He comes along at a time, he's, he's the last of the judges, and we'll talk more about that in a minute, and, and really the first of the prophets. And, and he's talked about in, in both terms. He's the guy who anointed um, Saul and David as kings. And as you think about all those weird studies about Melchizedek, you know, who is it that anoints and who is it that blesses the greater, blesses the lesser? So Samuel is, is really... Um, he's really a great guy. And he has, he has uh, at his disposal, uh, not really at his disposal, but he, is, he participates in a communication with God that, that's kind of unique. Uh, it's very similar, seemingly, to the way that Moses and God communicated. It's not God, you know, God tells Samuel, I'm going to show you a sign or you know, I'm going to leave you a note. It's there, there is some dialogue and some direct communication that goes on between those guys. So when Samuel shows up and he's right, he's right not just because, well, I'm, I'm Samuel and I've decided that I'm right. It's, I need to tell you what God said. Okay? And, and so there is some authority and there is some, <clears throat> some backup to the things that he's saying. And we're in a situation here in chapter 12 it's really started around chapter 8, and there's been a whole, I wish we had time to, to go through it. You don't wish that because we'd be here all night. Um, but it's, it's really a great story, and uh, lots of interesting things that are happening, and this is kind of the climax of it. But Samuel represents the person who knows that he has stuff that needs to be said. Israelites, on the other hand, they're the folks, well, we pick on them. Okay, last week we talked about pet peeves, and one of my pet peeves is how we treat the Israelites in Sunday school class. Okay? 
we, we are very quick to jump on the Israelites because they're stubborn, they complain, they gripe, they blew it, they had to wander around the desert for 40 years because they couldn't get their act together. Um, I think maybe we do that because we feel a little better because it's not like, oh, I hope we can be like the Israelites. It's like, yeah, God's people, you know, so we're now God's people and aren't we doing good and we're here in class. And, and so we kind of dump on the Israelites. <clears throat> but you'll see in this passage, the Israelites have come to a position where they know they've done wrong. Okay? And they, you know, they need to deal with it. They need to accept. They need to listen to the things that Samuel's going to say. And we'll see how they react to them. And we're going to talk not only as, as we read a few verses here in a minute, we're going to, not only going to talk about what they say, but what they don't say in many cases is almost as important <coughs> as what they do say. Think for a minute about what the, one more thing about the Israelites before we, we look at the verses is after dumping on them, think about all they've gone through. For 400 years, they lived as slaves in Egypt. For 400 years, they were told what to do, how to do it, how much to do it, when to do it, and when they could stop doing it. They don't make any decisions for themselves. They don't make any laws for themselves. They, beyond very rudimentary, maybe even underground means, they can't organize their leaders are powerless. And this has gone on for what's approximately 12 generations. I bet there's not anybody watching who, unless you're an ancestry buff, who can name anybody from 12 generations ago in their family. I can't even go back more, maybe three or four, I can talk about some people. I have someone watching tonight telling me to get a haircut, okay? Uh, but... Uh, uh, in 12 generations, to go from Abraham, who is powerful and in touch with God, who is, has soldiers and is mighty, to a group who have to be told to do everything. And that's how they start the Exodus. And so they have to learn on their way to the promised land how to become a nation. How do we get along with each other? How do we judge each other? How are we going to decide what we want to do and where we're going to go and when we're going to do it? Um, and we're going to do it in a place where it's hot and it's thirsty and there's not much food. And when we get to the promised land, the gates are not going to open and it's come on in. The houses are already built. Your bed is already made. There are chocolate nymphs on the pillow. Uh, no, you've got to come in, and there are folks living in the land who are uh, practicing child sacrifice. Uh, they, they're, the gods that they worship, um, their worship involves orgies. Uh, they're not nice folks. You've got to take them out to take your land. So if you're ever in a position that you're reading through the Old Testament and you see the impatience of God, see the patience of God. If you're ever thinking, well, if I had been there and seen the Red Sea parted, I wouldn't have grumbled and complained. 
I don't know that any of us, we've had struggles, we're on a journey, we're dealing with our own um, exodus as it is from the world to the promised land. I don't know physically that we've gone through anything like what they've had to go through. So let's be careful that we don't judge them and look down on them and think, well, I would, I would never do that. When in fact, we might fold really, really quickly. Um, so we have these people. They've gone through. They've gone through the Exodus. They've come into the land. They've kicked out a lot of those folks that they needed to. Not all of them. They've had a period where they've been ruled by judges, um, folks that God has sent to help them, to rescue them, to give them direction, and. They keep getting attacked. They're still at battle. They're still at war on many fronts. And they look at these nations and say, you know, we need a king. If we had a king, we could organize our armies. And we could be like those folks. And I think we'd have a better time of just kicking these folks out and being done with it. So they go to Samuel. Samuel, who has led them. Samuel, who has sacrificed his life to lead them, he takes it personally. You ever tried to give somebody advice and they come to you and they don't like your advice and you take it personally? It's really easy to do. And, And so Samuel goes, he stomps off and he goes and he talks to God and says, what do I need to do? God reminds him to go back in Deuteronomy God, through Moses, prophesied that this was going to happen, that they were going to want a king, that they would turn away from him and that they would want a king. In fact, he even says something else that we'll talk about in a minute when we look at what the Israelites say or what they could have said. And so he tells Samuel, you go and you appoint him a king. And chapters 9, 10, and 11 are that whole selection of Saul, and it's, it's a great story. Um, But you get to chapter 12, Saul is now king. Samuel is old, and it's his time to step aside. And so he says these things. We're going to read the first uh, four or five verses of chapter 12. I'm reading in the NIV. And it's Samuel said to all Israel, I've listened to everything you said to me and have set a king over you. Now you have a king as your leader. As for me, I'm old and gray, but my sons are here with you. I have been your leader from my youth until this day. Here I stand. Testify against me in the presence of the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? From whose hand have I accepted a bribe to make me shut my eyes? If I've done any of these, I will make it right. You have not cheated or oppressed us, they replied. You've not taken anything from anyone's hand. We'll stop right there. He goes on and and basically makes them swear. And they swear to each other, I haven't cheated you. No, you haven't cheated. And and, and God is our witness. And we are witnesses to each other that this has not happened. A lot of commentators want to cast this as Samuel getting his last digs in. He's still just a little bit ticked off 
that he's not going to lead them anymore and that they have turned and gotten a king. And I'm not so sure that I agree with that. The more I look at this, the more I think that perhaps he is doing a very good thing when you go to give somebody advice. I want to give you some advice, but I want you to understand where I'm coming from. I'm coming because I understand where you are or I'm coming because I have this experience or in his case I have the authority that God has given me to do this. I want you to understand it. And before I say the things that I'm going to say, I need to know that you understand that. That's a lot different than, okay guys, I've been around, you don't like me anymore, so I'm going to tell you what I want and you're just going to have to take it because, you know, God's right here, and he's going to get you if you don't. That's not what's happening. Okay? Um, again, it's we're here. We've been here a long time. We've been, to, we've been through a lot together, Israel. Okay? And I've done the best job that I can. I don't think I've cheated anybody. If I have, you know, let's get out. Let's deal with it now before we wrap things up. And they say, no, you haven't. And they readily say that. And so then he goes on from there, and over the next, probably from verse 6 down to verse 18, and we don't have the time to read it tonight, he basically lays out the case that you've got a king, but that comes with some baggage. You've made some decisions that are going to have some long-term consequences. And, and in fact... You're making a decision to be ruled by a man rather than by God. And so there's sin involved in that. And he lays out and he gives them examples from Moses and Aaron all the way down about things that they've done. And when he gets to the end of that in verse... Give me a second here. Look at verse... Well, let me back up a little bit. He, lay, he, lays, he lays out for them the decisions that they've made and how that it's consistent with a lot of things they've done in the past, to turn away from God and then to come back. And that you have a king, and it's not the way that God really wanted it to be, but he's let you do it. And if you follow God, even though you've done that, even though that baggage is there and those consequences are there, if you are faithful to God, if you continue to listen to God, he's going to bless you because he loves you. Even though you, in one sense, have rejected him, he still loves you and he's still going to bless you. So don't give up on him. And he shows a sign to them. And in verse 19, we see the people's reaction to this. And it's interesting. The people all said to Samuel, Pray to the Lord our God for your servants so that we will not die. For we have added to all our other sins the evil of asking for a king. These are the guys who know they have done wrong and need advice, need help. And they've got the attitude and the reaction to Samuel that we understand what you're saying and we've done wrong, we need you to pray for us. Okay? 
Uh, when you want somebody to pray for you, you want the most spiritual person you can think of to pray for you. And Samuel's that guy for them. Okay. Notice what they don't say. We've already said some of the things that Samuel didn't say. You know, I told you so. I told you, guy, you're not going to like having a king, and you just wait. You mark my words. This is going to happen. Samuel doesn't say those kinds of things. In fact, we'll see his follow-up in a minute. That it's exactly the opposite. It's a very powerful scripture. But the Israelites don't say, you can't tell us what to do. Well, we know God might not want us to have a king, but we really want one, so we're going to do it, and he'll just have to get along with us. That's the best way. We're just, we're just that way. Okay? All the kinds of things we might say when somebody corrects us or gives us advice. They don't say, and Samuel's already taken it off the table. He, they can't say, well, Samuel, you did such and such. And Samuel, your sons, you know, they've got a bad <clears throat> reputation, he, and, and they did, okay? But Samuel has said, I'm going to make anything right that's not right. So he's taken that off the table as well. So they're both in a situation here where, yeah, we've done wrong. What are we going to do? you got to pray for us. I mean, we, we need help. We've, we've done something. They don't say, well, we'll just get rid of our king and we'll go back. And that bridge has been crossed. God has already acknowledged. And here's another interesting thing that they don't say. If you go back to Deuteronomy and read about what God said, they're going to want to do this, and I'm going to... He says... And he makes provision, and I think it's Deuteronomy, I have that written somewhere else, maybe 17, I lost that reference. If you go back and look in Deuteronomy, in context there, God is actually making it lawful for them to have a king. One of the things the Israelites could have said to Samuel was, what are you talking about? The law says... God said we could have a king. We know he doesn't like it. We know it's not his first choice, but he said we could do it. Does that sound anything like maybe the way we react to advice sometimes? You know, I've got this verse over here that says I can do this, so you can't tell me to, you know, that I should do something different. Okay? It's all pretty contemporary for something, uh, you know, three, 4,000 years ago. So Samuel... They say, pray for us. We've done wrong. We, we want to be right. We don't want to just give up. But we, we need something. And so Samuel doesn't say, okay, if I have to. Right? Let's read what Samuel says. Samuel says, do not be afraid, Samuel replied. You have done all this evil, Yet do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn away after useless idols. They can do you no good, nor can they rescue you because they are useless. For the sake of his great name, for the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people, because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And I'll teach you the way that's good and right. But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. 
Consider what great things he's done for you, yet if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will be swept away. Samuel could have said, uh-huh, yep, now you see that I'm right. Now you want help. Um, I'm out of here. I'm retiring. I'm old. I'm going away. You got your king. Do the best you can. You pray to God. He says, if I don't pray for you, I'm going to be sinning. Meditate on that a little bit. We want to give advice. We want to, we've got an opinion on something, and we want to tell everybody our opinion. But we want to put them in their place and then walk away. <clears throat> when in fact, the giving of the advice needs just as much follow-up as the person who takes the advice needs to follow up on the advice and do it. And so what we see, and there, there are sort of two takeaways from this. One is whether you're giving or you're taking advice, you need to listen. You need to be humble. You need to try to make sure that whether you're giving or receiving that you understand each other as much as you can. You need to have genuine concern, not just, okay, I'm in charge and you have to listen to what I say. And then when it's over, it's not over. You need to be there to help. You need to be there to pray. You need to be there to be the assistance. Okay? There needs to still be that. Uh, again, we live in a time when it's, I've got this venue, I've got this opportunity to tell you stuff and to set you straight, and then I'm, I've set you straight, I'll go find somebody else and set them straight. It's not the way it works. Not the way it worked with Samuel and the Israelites here. The second takeaway from this, and this is, this is maybe, in a lot of ways, maybe even more important, is like the Israelites, we're going to do things that are wrong. We're going to make bad decisions. Things are going to happen to us that we don't like, maybe long term, but are the direct result of decisions that we've made. And there are different ways you can react to that. One way is, oh, I've done this terrible thing. God can't love me anymore. I, it, what's the use? I'm just going to give up. Okay? Uh, unless this consequence could be taken away from me, I'm just, there's nothing for me to do. Notice that the Israelites on their own said, we've, we've done wrong, and it's there, and we can't make that go, go away, but Samuel, we want you to pray for us. We don't want to give up. And Samuel says, right, don't give up. Even though that wrong is there, you continue to love God with all your heart. Okay? Now, he's not saying go out and do whatever you want. It'll be okay, and you know, just tell God that you're still around and you're going to do your sacrifices. Now, it's love God with all your heart. But when difficulty is there, when difficult situations are there, don't give up. When you feel like, you know, we're, we're in a time where this example doesn't exactly fit. When you feel like not going to church, okay, uh, in case you can't, or the building's not open, but when you feel like, you know, I just feel like having a quiet time. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like reading. That's when you need to do it the most. And don't let the fact that you feel defeated or that you, you, you've got stuff you need to deal with stop you from doing those things that you know you need to do. 
And Samuel goes, even though I could get mad, I could blast you guys with all the authority that God has given me. It'll be, it would be a sin against God if I didn't pray for you. If I don't try to help you and I don't try to bring you along. And uh, that's kind of encouraging. That we all reach a point where it's like, well, there's no use anymore. I should just give up because, you know, I've made too many mistakes. And I think that's one of the messages from the passage as well. Well, that's it. Uh, I've got 7.30. I'd like for us to have a prayer. And then if uh, you guys will stick around for a little bit, I've got two or three quick announcements. And then we'll be out of here. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you uh, are loving God and that for the sake of your name, you have called us your own. Uh, that you provide forgiveness and strength and endurance. Thank you for the examples that we have. Help us to not uh, use the bad examples as a way to boost ourselves in our own eyes, but to, to learn from uh, the things that they did and apply them to ourselves. Thank you for, for men like Samuel and for uh, people today who can teach us and give us advice and we can learn from. Help us, um, help us to give good advice. Help us to be willing to take advice. Help us to have wisdom to know when we know and to know when we don't know and not be afraid to, to communicate uh, either of those. God, please bless us as a body. Pray that you'll continue to get us through this time and we look for more opportunities to be back together and that you would just continue to watch over us, our health and our safety and our spirits. And we thank you for our time together tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, three quick things. One is don't forget, if you want to come Sunday, uh, to go and sign up. It is by reservation. Uh, I looked before, uh, about an hour before I came on. There's still, there's still some spots available. Uh, Devin, if you're watching, I've taken care of you. Just uh, I'll meet you there. Um, second thing is... Um, uh, you saw the video this week of Michelle Miles' baptism as part of the body there with us now. And I want to share with you a couple of things from her. She, she knows she's approved me saying these things. Uh, but one of the things that she has said, and, mm -hmm. and, and I really appreciate is she says, you know, I really feel like for the first time that she's in a church family, that she has a home. And of course, it's come at a time when we can't interact with each other as much as we'd like to. And um, so if there are opportunities to reach out to her, uh, drop her a card or uh, there's something coming up uh, that you, you think of her, don't be afraid to reach out to her. Now, that being said, there are a couple of caveats. Um, her uh, work position is such that her contact information, I, I'm not going to put it out here publicly. If you'd like to get in touch with her, um, Aloha has got some information on how to do that. But also understand that uh, her schedule, uh, she's an executive aide to one of the administrators uh, for the city of Tampa. Uh, she, in, she is in a lot of contact with the public. She is in a lot of contact with uh, the media and all kinds of things, very busy schedule. So if you get in touch with her and she had not call you back right away, it's not because she didn't get, trust me, it's not because she didn't get it. Uh, but there's an opportunity there. Certainly pray for her. I know that she would, she would covet your prayers. Um, and then the last thing, as we mentioned it Sunday, 
is uh, she first got exposed to our congregation by coming to the cantata, which gives me a chance to talk about cantata. Okay? Uh, some of you already know that we, we're going to try to have a cantata this year. Uh, it may only be a live stream event with no audience, um, but we found some music and we're starting to work on it. And I wanted to say that now because, because of the things that we have to do different, not everybody that has sung with us before is going to sing this year. Uh, we have a much smaller group, and it's a function of being able to practice and social distance. It's a function of how many microphones we have and how many microphones our board uh, can even handle. And so if I haven't talked, usually this time of year I'm running around and I'm begging you, you know, if you've got a pulse and you can hold a tune in a bucket, you know, come sing with us. That's not what we're doing this year, okay? And we've, we've got a group um, and, we're, and we're starting to practice and hopefully... Uh, on the 12th of December, it's going to be a one-night-only event. We'll have more info for you on it. But if you've sung with us in the past, I hope you understand that. If you, if you need to talk to me about it, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, I long for the day when we can get back to have the big group uh, because, you, you know, the, the bigger group you got, the bigger sounds you got, and the better it sounds and the more powerful that it is, and, and that's what I really want. So, But I want you to understand that. So with that, I think we're done. Have a great night, and uh, we'll talk to you again on Sunday. Oh, Robbie's going to be speaking on Sunday, so be looking forward to that. All right, good night. Peace,